0: Welcome back to The Everyday Hair Colourist. Today, my guest is James Earnshaw, young, talented, award-winning. Welcome, James.
1: Thanks, Jack. What an introduction that was. Thank you.
0: <laughs> so, for the audience who doesn't know you, you were a former member of the Fame team, which is absolutely phenomenal. Your BHA Midlands Hairdresser of the Year last year. Congratulations on that again. BTC winner, behind-the-chair winner last year. Um a UK brand ambassador for a styling product, and you've just taken on a new digital role with Weller. Yes. And you're 28. Yes, yes. (laughs) Wow, congratulations on all of that. What I'd like to do first of all, James, is kind of show the audience a little bit, a picture about yourself and your story. How did hairdressing start for you?
1: Yeah, well, to be honest, I don't don't ever remember anything else. I mean, I don't know about you. I get asked this question a lot. And to me, it was never a doubt in my mind that I always knew I wanted to be a hairdresser. And I don't really come from a family that is particularly creative or anything to do with hairdressing. And I remember just loving hair. And I used to always brush my nan's hair. There's loads of home videos of me when I was, like, three And I'm, like, ragging this brush through my nan's hair. I remember it. And I remember when I got to about 14, um, a programme called The Salon came on Channel 4. And I'm from a really small town in Shropshire, so... London and hairdressing and everything like that was so far away from what I knew I just instantly watched it and fell in love and I was like oh I really want to be on that show I can't believe I'm not old enough and I used to watch it every night I used to watch it on record and that's what really opened up my eyes to hairdressing I would say.
0: Wow so yeah. a TV influenced you a TV show influenced you yes a little bit more
1: yeah I think because it's before the days of like you know, Instagram, YouTube, like now it's so accessible. But for me, I was like, I'm just this hairdresser hairdresser wannabe from Bridge North in Shropshire who doesn't know any hairdressers, doesn't have any friends that are hairdressers or parents, anything like that. So it was a way of me really seeing what the industry was like. And that showed hairdressing in such a great way. Um, It really opened my eyes to hair shows, to education, to the way a top salon should kind of look. And From there, I was getting my hair cut in a salon that I always went to. And they, I was getting my hair cut and they were like, what do you want to do when you're older? And I was like, hairdresser. And they were like, okay. And then the boss came up to me and she was like, do you want a job? And I was like, yeah. And then I started on the Friday. (laughs) You left school at 16 then? Yes. So I worked in the salon when I was 15 and I worked Friday nights, Thursday nights and Friday nights. And then literally I left school and went straight to hairdressing. And that was actually a bit of a struggle because my brother went to oxford university and got the highest in the year for maths and economics and i was like mom i want to be a hairdresser and she was like no <laughs> right because you know they're from a very academic background and they didn't understand the industry and what amazing opportunities it had um so they kind of they just wanted what was best for me so in the end they agreed and they said to me, I remember they said, you can be a hairdresser, but if you want to be a hairdresser, you need to be the absolute best one that you can be. And I think that's
0: good advice for anybody, isn't it? Yeah. Be the best that you can be.
1: Yeah. So that always stuck in my mind. And then I started from my apprenticeship when I was 16 and I just never, never looked back. So
0: 16, you're an apprentice. Yeah. And did you, did you study in the salon or did you
1: go to college? So I went to college, did an apprenticeship. Yeah. And I did that for about a year. And then um, where I'm from, I'm from a very small town. So there was another town that was slightly bigger that had a Tonian guy. Right. And I remember when I used to go shopping, I used to look and be like, oh, my God, it just looks so much cooler than the sun on mat. It looks so futuristic and all of that. Um, And I remember I just um, was like, I'm going to work there. I'm going to go there. And... um, I had a job interview, and I, but I went in and took my CV, had an interview, and then I got it. And so every morning, my parents were like, if you want to go that far away, you can, but obviously we don't, you don't drive, you're only 16. So I used to get up at six every morning, get on the bus. It took me an hour and a half, and the salon only... It got me there for eight o'clock. And the salon didn't open until nine. So I used to sit outside the salon for an hour before work. And then... I used to get... My dad agreed that if I would travel in the morning, he would come and pick me up. So my dad picked me up every night. But I had a three-hour journey to do it.
0: Driven. Yeah. Absolutely driven at 16, wanting wanting to do that. That's that's phenomenal. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to get a, be- a better picture of you. <laughs> now. So after Tony and Guy, a yep. lot of people have been through Tony and Guy. It's a great source of education and talent that come from there. Yeah. What happened
1: next? So I was at Tony and Guy, I worked at the one in Telford and then I moved to the one in Birmingham because my franchisee split with, there was a joint franchise and they split off, one went to Birmingham. So I moved to Birmingham and that's where I qualified, had a great year there. And then my year contract came up and I just thought, I looked and I thought, you know, what do I want to do? I want to do shoots, I want to do stuff like that. And Tony and Guy is so, well it was then very internal only. And I thought, okay. And then my friend worked at a company called Francesco Group. Right. And they were smaller in size, but um, I knew they were opening in Birmingham. So I sent my CV off, had an interview, and then the salon was, like, delayed by something like a year and a half. So it was, like, ridiculously delayed. And I think it was something to do with that. It was going to be in Selfridges or House of Fraser. They, They were struggling. So they took me on, but then I went to work in Shrewsbury, so worked at Francesco Group, and that's when I really started to do, like, my shoots and my shows and all different stuff like that, really. So um, I was, like, 18, 19, and that's when I first started doing stuff like Trend Vision from Weller, um, and just smaller competitions, really, and really getting the feel for, like, the more creative side.
0: Well, I mean, you can't just jump in and do the big one straight away, can you? I mean, you have to... I think there is, a like, a way of working towards it, but that old way of having to go through a system isn't necessarily the way that people want to do that anymore. No. And times change, so you you want to chase your dream, don't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, one thing I've always, always done, and I don't know whether it's right or wrong, you know, is I've always just thought I'm going to do it regardless, even if I don't have the budget, even if, or whatever, I will find a way to enter or I'll find a way to do something because I just really want to. Right. Um, And, you know, the first time I did British Edison Awards, I think I spent like £500. And the collection, you know, really wasn't great. But it's not about that. It's about learning and, you know, and trying. And I think so many people are like, oh, I don't have the budget or, you know, absolutely, you might not. But there's only, to me, one way to ever get to that level is to start somewhere.
0: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, lots of people get frightened by the the costs and everything, but if you find a photographer who's trying to build their book and a, a street casting and you don't do have a big wardrobe and you keep the make- makeup simple and you focus on the hair, you can do it for very little money. Now, it might not be BH, BHA quality, but you don't start off there anyway. You don't start off as a great hairdresser, you start off as a trainee.
1: Yes, and I completely agree, I think as well, you know, you don't want £10,000 thrown at you for a photo shoot when you're 19 because... You might think you're at the level where you need to be, but you are not. So no. I think you know I've I've grown as my budget's grown, as my model bank has grown, as my makeup artist, and you know it's almost, it's like a journey to me, and it's like every year is a progression. So mm. things get better as years. They go do, on, hopefully, and you learn,
0: don't you? It's lessons learned in it.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So, so Francesco Group. Then you moved on, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so I had... I was at Francesco Group for... I was looking back at old videos, actually. I was there for about eight years. Eight years, I think. And I got into their main creative team at 24. So that was amazing, because literally everyone else was 10 years older than me. Right. So I was really blessed in that instance. And the reason I got into that is because I literally... Every Monday on my day off would go to the academy and just be like, I'm here today... And they'd be like, okay, and I'd be like, I'm just going to assist. I'm going to do, and I literally did that until, until I kind of felt I was ready. And then I met, and then I spot spoke to the directors of Hairdressing, and I was like, I want to be on the art team, and I'm sure that's something they heard a lot. And they were like, well, if you want to do that, you need to be known more. You need to be known. And I went, okay. And in 2014, I got onto like the Weller Generation Now team. I won one of the Trend Vision Awards. I got to the finals of L'Oreal Colour Trophy and I did a couple of other things. And I literally then went and I went, OK, I've done it. So they kind of had no choice <laughs> to let me onto the team. And I <laughs> so I literally like, yeah, and it was great. I worked with Michelle Thompson. We did some amazing stuff, amazing shoots. Um, and then I kind of got to the point where um, I, was, I was doing well. But, you know, they were a very educational focused company. And I was, I was 25. And I was kind of teaching, you know, people basic hairdressing. And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I sat here and I thought, this isn't what I want to do right now at this age. And if I want to progress and do stuff. And then I made it onto the fame team. And that really opened my eyes to what the world of hairdressing really was. <laughs> yes. So I did that. And then after I left the fame team, I was like, do you know what? I'm not, if I don't move on now, I'm going to look back in three years and still be doing the same thing. And I don't want that. So I made the decision to move. It takes some
0: courage though, doesn't it? I mean, eight years in a place where you've basically grown up. Um, and that's sort of, obviously you're a, a man who is driven and has drive, which is really lovely and refreshing to see, but to keep taking that plunge and going right the next the next project is that takes some
1: nerve yeah i think I think for me like I am never happy, like never like you know the introduction to this conversation, I was like wow that that sounds good like <laughs> like Maybe I am successful, but to me, I'm just never satisfied. And again, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative, but, you know, I don't ever want to stand still, so...
0: My assistant says to me, he's like, oh, you, you've done this, and he's like, that might mean you smile for an hour, and then you'll want something else. Then I think that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that... It's not that you're not happy with what you've got. It's just like you're not fully satisfied with who you are. Yeah, absolutely. In the sense, in, in the sense of you want your career. Yeah. You know, not you as a person, obviously. I
1: think, I think hairdressing, though, like, and I think it's true what people say. If you think I'm happy, I'm done. No more education, no more, you know, then you, you, it's, to me it's time to stop, you know. You need to be updating yourself and, you know, keep, keep, keep going with what you're trying to achieve.
0: So, what was the Fame Team like for you? You said it opened your eyes to everything that is hairdressing that you loved. Who were who were your mentors that year?
1: So, obviously, we had I had Nico in as my mentor. Oh wow! And yeah, that was really great. Um, he was he was very ill for the first six months of the Fame Team. So normally you do two years. He actually did three because As was kind of like sometimes him, sometimes not. Right. But I actually I didn't love obviously I didn't love that he was ill, but. I love like for me I've I'm very confident in like in my hairdressing ability not in like an, in an arrogant way or anything like that but I know I had a lot of experience with shows from Francesco Group and a lot of stuff like that and I was in a team with three other people so Jordana Cabela, Yeah, wow who is literally like my sister now like literally <laughs> um, a girl called Rhea Kulik from Manchester and then a guy called Gavin McIntyre and we were all very different in like what we liked and what we did. And obviously it was like our mentor who would kind of like home in on that and tweak us and like be, be our like creative director. So I remember he was ill and we were in Dubai Um Our first show we ever did was in Dubai, which was crazy. And the four of us came together and we had to work on our own. And I actually loved it because I love the challenge. I love not knowing. I love the fast pace of being like, oh, no mentor, we're on stage. Because I'd had quite a lot of experience on stage. But I think for some of them that didn't, it was a little bit more daunting. But it brought us together really close as a team. So throughout the year, we had so many amazing... We had Koz and Effie from Tony and Guy... Gary and Michael, um, Hooker and Young, amazing. We went to the house and did a shoe at the house, which was great. Um, we went to Australia and, and I absolutely love Australian hairdressing. Like it's just they make girls look hot, which is what I like.
0: Yeah, they, they it's that very commercial aspect to it, isn't it? That is, but it's I know I know what you're talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah, you can just tell a sexy Australian girl and hair. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so we went to Australia, and um, I, we did a. We actually stayed for a month, but we were working for two weeks, and that was incredible. And I used my connections with Wella in the UK to kind of collab with Wella in Australia, and we used their Sydney Academy, and um, that was amazing. So we did shows there, and what else did we do? Obviously, we did sell international, and that was our last show, and that was definitely our strongest. Right. Definitely our strongest. Nick had a very strong fashion element. Um, and so that was really great. So obviously did all those shows with him. And then I used to assist him. To be fair, like with the fame team, you're meant to do stuff as a four. And we absolutely did. But the because obviously fashion, you know, if you're shooting in Rankin Studio, who's not going to want four people loitering around? <laughs> Right. So we went and did our odd little thing with him and all took our own little experiences as well. So to me, it was really special that we did the fame team as a four, but these other little fashion projects that you would never experience.
0: Mm. What, a, what a great mentor, though. What a, what, such a great talent, that man.
1: Yeah, amazing. so nice. We still speak all the time, like still speak. And he's really lovely and his wife, Stacy. And yeah, I really, I really got on with Nick and it was so nice because he was as passionate as I was. Mm. And I knew I was extra passionate because we were in Australia and everyone went home and then me and the two girls stayed because we just thought we may as well stay in Sydney. And I spent... Their boyfriends came and they, like, went after the mountains, the Blue Mountains and all this stuff. And I literally was, like, in Sydney looking at salons and watching people do hair. And I went into my favourite salon in Sydney and was just walking, shown around there. And I was like, wow, I really am... A geek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's nice. There's passion in it, isn't it? Yeah. So after the fame team, um, what was the next salon group that you did then?
1: <laughs> so next... <laughs> so originally, actually, this is a story that I don't think many people know, is I was planning to move to London... Right. And I was planning to be like a session stylist and all of that. And working with Nick, I was assisting him a lot and I was going to be his assistant. I think, I don't know how official that was, but I was practically doing everything, but traveling from Birmingham. So I just thought, you know what, let me just take a risk and let me just go. And I was going to sign to an agency um and then something didn't feel right um I went from an I went from an industry that was very very friendly to a slightly different feel in the fashion industry and I just thought you know what something doesn't feel right and I remember I was going to view apartments and I've never lived in London you probably know this a lot more than I do I'd go and try and view something and I would like phone up and then I'd be in an uber there and they'd phone me like it's gone or I'd arrange a viewing and I'd be on the train and they'd be like, it's gone. i am like, on the train, I haven't even had a chance. And I just wasn't even finding anywhere to live and I was like, this isn't right. And then the owner of Bad Apple had contacted me previously when I was at Francesco Group, but I was in the fame team and I was like, now's not the time for me to leave. You know, you don't leave halfway through a fame team. So he contacted, I actually was planning to leave on the Friday And he contacted me on the Friday before and had a meeting. And I, to be fair, I went in saying, oh, I'm planning to move to London um, to be a session stylist. Um, I'm not particularly interested um, because it's just time for me to move to another city. And I think because I went in with that mentality, it kind of just was like, well, you can kind of do what you want then. You can work for us, but you can do a bit of session and you can work with the brands you want and you know, we need you, so if you want to have a flexible job role, please go ahead. So I thought, OK, you know, I'm not I'm not loving this agency that I was going to sign with. And if he's saying I can still do all the stuff I would do in London but be employed, why not?
0: Yeah, you don't get many offers like that, do you?
1: No, I think it's because he knew. Well, not that I didn't want to go there, but I think because... He knew if he would say I'd have to be employed or whatever, I would be like, oh, it's time for me to move. So right. it was just the right timing.
0: Let's talk about your UK role with Annika. Yes. Yes. Because, talk about
1: that. How did, how did that happen? So Anika came to me. Anika. When, yeah. Sorry. Do you know what? It's one of those brands, it's like a Kerastase, you know. Kerastase. People call it 50s, Yeah. I feel like that's actually the secret to a good product brand. Make it unpronounceable. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so Amika, I remember it, actually. I remember it really well. They DM'd me on Instagram. And it was about... I was at Bad Apple at the time, so I remember. And I remember it was when our Stafford Salon was opening because I was lugging stock boxes in and out at the time and I was looking at my phone and they DM'd me and they just said hey we love your work can we send you some products and I was like yeah and I get that fairly often or I used to more so before I was signed to a brand and I said yeah whatever and then they sent me them and they took three weeks to come so I kind of forgot Right. And then they sent me these products and they sent me one of everything. So it was like, I went to my concierge and reception and there was like four big boxes saying American postage. And I was like, what is this? And then opened it all and it was obviously Amica. And so to be honest, I just put the products in my cupboard and took the dry shampoo out because that's what I use the most of the time. And then I used it and I was like, oh my God, this is the best dry shampoo I've ever used. So I started to take a few more products out of the cupboard and try a few more of them. And um, then about a month later, they DM'd me, were like, how are you getting on with your products? And I was like, oh my God, they're amazing. And I'd never heard of them because obviously they were in America. Right. And they were like, oh, great. Um, can we have a call about something? And I was like, okay. So then we had a conference call and they just said they were looking for a UK ambassador and they are a styling only focused brand. So that means it's no colour, it's no cutting, it's literally styling. And there's not many product ranges out there that are like that. Um, So them trying to find a hairdresser that was just styling only is quite difficult because, you know, there's some hairdressers that do colour and a bit of styling or cutting. There's not really many just styling-focused hairdressers. So they found me and then they said, do style international for us as a little test. And then, if that goes well, we'll go from there. When was that? 2000, and that must have been about August 2018. So I then did Sal International 2018 for them. Wow. But I was actually doing little bits for Cloud9 at the time. So um, I was already doing Sal International one of the days for them. So I was like, okay, I can do the Monday. And um, I just fell in love with doing it. I just fell in love with the brand. It just felt so like me. And um, I had the best show ever. And I don't know about you, but you know when you've done a show, and you know when you've done it good. Like I knew I did a good job, <laughs> right? <laughs> because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have to. I didn't have to do any hair that I wouldn't have naturally done anyway. Right. So you had a
0: free reign, really? Yeah. In what What you could produce?
1: Yes, and it was so. It was so like my style and my taste that I was just like. This is great. It just felt right. And then they phoned me up a couple of weeks later, and they were like, hey, do you want to come to New York in a couple of weeks and shoot our global campaign? And obviously I was like, oh, go on then. So... I mean, talk
0: about opportunity. What an amazing opportunity.
1: Yeah, and Naima, who's the global artistic director, she has been in that role for nine years. And in those nine years, no one has ever shot the campaign with her. And then a month in, they're asking me to go to New York and shoot it with her. So that was incredible.
0: Whenever I'm on Instagram, and some of your work comes up, mm-hmm. I recognise it straight away. You have, a, you have a look about your work, which I think is really important for something like Instagram. Yeah. Um, it's always very fresh. It has this kind of sexy feel to it. It's slightly tussled looking.
1: Um, what was winning BTC like? Oh, my God, that was insane. Insane, like, bringing back memories of that just literally makes me smile. <laughs> Um, I originally was going over to Behind the Chair to do the main show with Naima. So I was never, like, intending to go for just the awards originally because I'd seen it before and I'd never entered because I thought I'm from the UK. Um, and I, I'm sure you'll agree because you've worked with BTC Cedar. in the UK we sometimes have this, this negative approach to other people coming in and doing stuff that aren't british i sometimes find so i thought i thought oh my god i'm gonna go to america and they're all gonna be like who's this english guy it's an american awards and it was the complete opposite they were so lovely and and amika is known as one of like the main btc shows because it's very colorful and very fun and the show like you know you do a show in the uk and it might be like 500 or a thousand or whatever like there's like literally like 3,000 people it was crazy was huge. So did the show and then um, obviously I was up for the one shot I was I was nominated in two categories and people were coming up to me and being like you're so gonna you're so gonna win (laughs) and I was like I've always learned to just never presume you're gonna win anything because no it's just the best way to be so
0: it's very English though it's like no I'm not gonna win. I'm not gonna win. Okay just to whereas the Americans are like, yeah I'm gonna win. Yeah. You know? It's just (laughs) a different it's a different way of living life.
1: Yeah, I just feel like i once before I was like I've definitely won this, I've definitely won it, and I didn't, and it literally destroyed me. <laughs> so I've kind of learned to just be just be mindful with how you feel about something, and then absolutely. Um, so then they were like ponytail shot of the year, and I was sat at the front, the front row actually, <laughs> and they come up and they're like they then announce the top five. So they go, here are your top five. And then the 25 people go down and the five top five come up. And I was in the middle, I was number three. So I was like right in the middle of the screen. And um then they're like, and the winner is um Jay Hairstylist. and they say your Instagram names, so they don't say like your name, they say your Instagram name. And I was like, oh my God. Um just amazing feeling, you know, like just elation just so great so I jumped up you give a speech and I was thinking don't swear don't swear and what I said was this is just fucking amazing isn't it I love a there. I love the <laughs> I love that don't swear don't
0: <laughs> swear this is fucking amazing I mean talk about validation though because it I think that you know Mary's been on this podcast obviously we both know her you know so to speak yeah um and that award is very broad in the sense of the, the categories and it speaks a lots of people, but the it is still consumer, isn't it? It's still salon-friendly stuff.
1: Yes. So I won Ponytail Shot of the Year. And the reason I entered that one is because I loved how specific it was. It was like, people know me for a ponytail already and I love a ponytail. So I was like, that is the one I should enter. Um, so, yeah. And I remember what is amazing is your Instagram handle goes up. So it's at J Hair Size and it's huge. And um, I remember on my phone, I think I only had like 14K at the time. And I remember that was what I had. And then I literally won the award, took my shot, because you take a physical shot when you win the one shot and you can choose water or vodka. Obviously, I chose vodka. Obviously. (laughs) I was like, is that even a decision? Went backstage to do like my press I looked at my phone and I was at like 17.5K in like yeah. 30 seconds.
0: Yeah the, power, yeah, the power of that brand is phenomenal. When you, get, when you get on that main page or you win an award with it, your followers, the spike in it just goes boom, doesn't it? I mean, yes,
1: and that phenomenal. is, and I think as well, getting that amount of followers that are solely hairdressers and are interested in that kind of work is priceless. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely, because they actually engaged with you. Yes. Aren't they? They're engaged with you, which is so important when we talk about Instagram anyway. Yes. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And, and then it's sort of this phenomenal career. It just, it's like vroom, going up like that with all these amazing opportunities that come along. And you've just taken on a new role, haven't you? Yes, yes. You've taken on another new role. I mean, <laughs> it's like I had no roles I had nothing at 28. I, had, um, <laughs> I, had, I danced on nightclub tables. That's about all I did.
1: I'm sure that's not changed now, though, has it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know. You know, James. <laughs> Tell the audience about your new role, because it is pretty phenomenal, and I'd like to wish you a huge congratulations on that.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so it's crazy, really. And Weller, like, has always, always genuinely been my, my favourite colour brand. And people who know my career from, like, back in the day. Like, I started doing stuff with Weller in, like, 2012, was my first competition, and that was Trend Vision. Um, I was in their Generation Now artistic team with um, when Francesca Group was Weller. And then just as I left Francesca Group, they were moving over to L'Oreal from Weller. So, and, you know, if you're employed by a boss, it's not your choice what colour kind of brand you use. No. Um... So, you know, that wasn't my choice. So had a couple of years off. And then when I decided in January this year to go freelance, I was like, for the first time in my career so far, I can pick who I want to work with. Do you know what I mean? And I already had mm. Amika, which is styling only. And they are so lovely. What's amazing about Amika is they're like, well, if you're doing stuff with Wella, your profile is going to get better. So it's better for us. Right. Which is so true. And I... I wish more product companies were like Amika because they're amazing. So I knew that I could go with a colour brand. And so I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to get a role with Weller and I want a role that no one's ever had. And I got it. So I phoned Weller in January. And no, this is such a strange story, actually. I'm going to have to tell you this. So this is going to sound a little bit crazy, okay? But... I always knew I wanted to kind of be with Weller in that kind of role. And they, I had like a dream about it happening. And I'm not going to go too much into that because I will sound crazy, but I had a little dream that it was happening or whatever. And then I went to speak to my new employee um, for my freelance salon that I worked at. And um, he is L'Oreal in his salon, but I said, I am approaching Weller about something, so can I use my own colour? He was absolutely fine. Went home and I had a DM from someone very high up in Weller on my phone and I hadn't contacted them yet. So then I looked at it and they wanted to talk to me about a product of some sort in another brand. So I got on the phone and I was like, this is really weird. I need to talk to you anyway. And she was like, oh, what about? And I was like, I'm going freelance. I'm leaving the company I work for in like a week. And now I can and now I can be with you. So she set up a call with the one of the head of educations for Weller and I literally told them kind of a little bit about what I've done over the last couple of years, what I wanted to achieve. And she said, okay, write me down your ideas in an email. So I already had all this written down and I literally, r- literally sent her like a huge email, like pages and pages of all my ideas and not just my ideas, but how I'd back it up what I would do, how often I would do it, how it's achievable and all that. And I think she was a bit like, wow, (laughs) that's a lot. So then a month passed by and I'm sure you know, Jack, with big product companies, stuff takes time. It does. Because it's it's not just some lady in an office making a decision, it's huge.
0: No, that, that conversation's being had about a million times with a million different departments, isn't it? Yeah,
1: so then I was like, oh, I've sent all my ideas and they don't they don't like it, but I want to do this so bad and I know that I can do it. And then she set up a call with like five people from Wella. It was like the head of marketing, the PR agency, the education manager, everyone. And I was just literally like, I fucking love Wella more than anything. And you need to take me on because I'm going to do this for you. (laughs) So they were like, okay. (laughs) Um, And so again, (laughs) and I think it was just nice for them because you know they work with a lot of people that have lots of salons and all different stuff like that whereas I'm just this guy on my own that's very passionate and I was just like this is exactly what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it and they were like okay and literally on the first week of lockdown on quarantine is when I officially was announced so yeah. And what is the role? So, basically, it's Weller's UK and Ireland craft expert. Now, that title is a little bit like, what is that? And originally, I was going to be called Creative Influencer. But because they saw I was a little bit more than that, they wanted to give me a slightly higher title. Mm. So, basically, the idea was um, they have quite a few people that do their like big campaign images like right at the top, high-end, big-budget campaign images. And then they have, like, Weller Passionistas, which are people that work in the salon and post pictures on Instagram, but they're usually just of clients. And I was like, nowadays, to me, you need to bridge that gap between that. Um, You know, a beautiful campaign image is amazing for a salon window and for a website, but on Instagram, people want to see a little bit more like reality. Yes. So, basically, uh, my kind of role as such will be bringing, like, the real side to those campaign images and to those new shades of colour or to the light or to whatever trends they want to push that month. Um, so a social media role and then also hopefully some other exciting things when we're actually allowed out of the house.
0: I don't think anything's going to stop you, James. You're like a whirlwind. I mean, that's you've achieved so much in such a short time. That's fantastic. Now, being freelance, how does that feel? Um, I, I mean, I did it ten years ago, yeah. and it's it's a tricky one to navigate. How does it feel to you? How do you uh, obviously before all Corona? How was that going to look to you? How many days a week are you going to do in the salon? What are you going to do?
1: So, do you know what? Like, I am so glad that I didn't go freelance in like 2017 or 2018 when I originally was moving to London. um, Because I thought I was ready and I really wasn't. Yeah. Um, Whereas now, I feel the best I've ever felt, ever felt. Because I just literally do whatever I want to do. It's amazing. Like, you know, like clients, I do two days in the salon. Right. So I do Friday, Saturday and I've done those clients for years and I I love working on their hair. And so I tend to do two days clients. I do one content day per week. Yes M- minimum
0: this is in- this is interesting because I like you love to do clients because I think it gives me an authenticity and it keeps my finger on what women are ta- what women are really talking about, not what people in in offices think that women are talking
1: about. And also I think it just it actually you know if you're doing a course, if you're just doing education, for example, you yeah. might do what five five colors a month, for example. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden, you've got all these people around you, and you're like, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's been a while." Do you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's the only way to be an educator to be able to talk to hairdressers that are doing clients is to be doing clients yourself, too. Yes. And I love your content day thing. I do one a month. Yes. Um, to create content, and of course, we've collaborated.
1: Yes. On I those, remember. on those hair. Hacks. The day before yeah. the British Hairdressing Awards, I remember.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, so and then you went and looked very glamorous and I had to fly off somewhere else. Yes, right? I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. So you're doing, t- you're doing two days a week. You're doing a con- at least one content day a week because, of course, content is king yeah. and it's impossible to do it in the salon sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. and But also, you're looking after Fleur East. So you're doing pop videos, her styling. I mean, that's yeah. pretty broad. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so to be fair, like, it's... I do tend to usually work about six days a week, but again, it's not really work to me. Doing content, like, just making girls look hot and doing whatever I want to their hair is not work to me. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, obviously, Amika, usually I'm doing about three days a month. Wella is more of a, a social job, so I could, I could do it. You know, you can pre-plan your content or whatever. Mm. So, with Fleur, I've been working with her for about three years now. Right. Three and a half years, I think. But originally when I started working with her, she was on a little, she left her record label and was on a bit of a break, so we didn't do much. So I did her hair once, and then it was like six months before I saw her again. So I started doing her hair properly just before she went on I'm a Celebrity, which was 2018. Um, So I remember just after Sal International 2018 with Amika, the day after, I started shooting all of Fleur's press stuff for I'm a Celeb. You know, that right. in that yellow, no, not yellow, red fleece and the cowboy hat. Um, so, yeah, and then she, we pre-recorded her music video just before she went in the jungle. So I've done so much with her, so many crazy things, from the masked singer where she was dressed as a bumblebee and I had to put her hair under a balaclava, but she had to take the balaclava off and they wanted her hair to have volume and I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> How's that going to happen? Yeah, especially after sweating in, in it for like three hours, but... Um, I've done stuff like, we've just done some crazy, crazy stuff. Just before lockdown, it got cancelled. I was meant to dress her up as an LOL doll, which is like cross between a Barbie and a Bratz doll. Right. And she's going to be a human, one of those, singing. So we've done some hilarious stuff. We've done gay prides in Brighton. We've done shows in, like, G.A.Y. We've done stuff for TV, like performances on this morning. It's amazing. Amazing.
0: Wow. And full. What a full, what a full life. I think it's a fantastic story for a young boy who watched a TV show, who whose parents wanted him to be an academic, who's, and whose mother said to him, you better be the best that you can be, mm-hmm. to then go on, and in such a very short period of time, accomplish so much.
1: Yeah. And do you know what? My parents love hairdressing now. <laughs>
0: Well, because you show the excitement, don't you, to it? So I think you show, and the broad range of it. I think a lot of people who aren't hairdressers think we just work behind a chair in a salon. And as my husband always says to me, oh, all you do is burn hair all day. (laughs) (laughs) But of course, it's not like that at all, is it? There are so many varied opportunities and um, congratulations on your latest role and everything you've done so far. I look forward to hearing more and seeing more of you, too. So, Aww, James, thank you, you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack JackHowardColor, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook it's Jack Howard Colour, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is wwjackhowardcolor colo
1: rcom